0: couple of years. Pete Wood, how long have you been on with us on a monthly basis now?
1: <laughs> Good morning, Brad, Kenny, folks out there. Yeah, I, I about you just reminded me about it. It's actually been four years we started doing this. Really? Wow. Time. 2016 was the first show I couldn't believe when I started thinking about it again.
0: I remember when you contacted me and said, Brad, do you think there might be any interest in having a show on logging? You know, they have they have this mining matter show and stuff, and it would be nice if we had a, a little logging show to talk about what's going on in the logging industry. And I thought, well, we'll try it once or twice and see... <laughs> <laughs> how it works out and actually it's become a very interesting part of our monthly programming uh we bring you on once a month we get a lot of comments about it and you constantly peter come up with guests that are very interesting very uh well known and i want you to introduce your guest today because I don't want to get it wrong. He's a big shot. I could get in trouble if I re- yeah. if I introduce yeah. him wrong.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, folks, uh, today, if you could during the show, if you could during the show, just kind of keep this in mind a little bit. Remember, a few years back, I said that all materialistic wealth only generates from three spots in the world. It only comes from three spots only, and it comes from mining, farming, and logging. Right, and that is worldwide. That's it's the only place it comes from. And today. We have on the show with us uh, Danny Dructor from out of Texas, and I think I have his hometown right. I think it's called Hemp Hill or something like that. Is that Danny? It, it sounds more like a town. He should have been in Colorado or something like that, but uh, <laughs> he's going to be. You're going to be able to tell Danny's a Texan. He's a real good guy. He's been a logger and that. But Danny, you want to tell the folks a little bit about yourself here and how you got into the logging because he was not born into it, folks. This is really interesting. Are
2: you there, well, I can Danny? Guarantee you. Well, first of all, thank you guys for having us on board here today. Well,
0: good morning. Good morning, Danny. Yep. First of all, I have to ask you a question before I let you tell your experience, Danny. I didn't know you had trees in Texas. Do they, is there logging in Texas? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, that's what I was just explaining to Kenny before we came on the air. That, uh, yeah, believe it or not, and this is not a, you know not a brag, just fact, folks. There's about as many timbered acres in Texas as there are in the. State of Louisiana. So yes we really? have a thriving industry here. Yes. Uh the basically the line between Houston and Dallas, I forty five from there east uh, to the to the Sabine River is pretty much all pine hardwood mixed timberlands. Yep. So wow. Paper mills, sawmills, the whole the whole nine yards. So yes, there's a thriving industry here. well so Peter, if you guys can handle an early morning laugh, I'm gonna tell you the truth. Um I, I I actually I grew I grew up in Houston, Texas. And when I got out of high school, I didn't know the difference between a pine tree and an oak tree. <laughs> and, uh, I decided I was going to go to school in Nacogdoches, Texas, at Stephen F. Austin University because it was really close to one of my favorite fishing lakes. And we had a camp there, and I I figured I could just go fishing every weekend if I went to that university. And as I was walking across campus with no major in mind, I ran across the School of Forestry, and I thought, you know, this looks kind of neat, and. Uh, So I got into it, and four years later, I was happy to get out of it (laughs) with a degree. So uh, you know, but uh, (laughs) fishing was my primary focus, and forestry was second. But I somehow that didn't you know I didn't see much of a paycheck in fishing, so I decided to pursue the career as a forester, and then later on as a logger. And I logged for several years, had my own company running, and. I just decided to shut it down in 2001, and then uh, that same year, I was asked to become the executive director for the American Loggers Council, and I said, you know, what better job to have if I can't be logging, I might as well be representing loggers, and that's where we're at
0: today. Uh, So you deliver your message to a lot of people out there.
2: Peter has a different term, but I like to call ourselves the invisible industry, because most of the public, when they see us, the only thing they know about us is those log trucks running up and down the roads. And, uh, sure. You know, there's a whole other side of this thing. The guys out there actually in the woods harvesting those trees and putting them on those trucks. And, and so, you know, the American Loggers Council, we, we exist to try to put a face on the contractor So let folks, you know, kind of tell some of that human interest story as well. And uh, we have a Facebook following of, I think we've got 97,000 folks that, that come on pretty regular and we've wow. had months where we've gone 28 to 30 days and had close to a million folks come in and, and take a look at our site. So it's, uh, you know, we're pretty excited about. It. I'm, I'm, I'm old school. I wasn't excited about Facebook to begin with. My board said, "Hey, we want you to do this," and I'm glad they they made me do it. <laughs> you know, yeah. because now we've, it's really been a great tool for us. Um, I was expecting a lot of folks that aren't necessarily favorable toward what we do for a living to come on there and put a lot of bad stuff on there, but it just didn't happen, and that's that's wonderful. And it's been a great tool for us to explain who we are, what we do, and why we do it. And so well,
0: you, you know, Danny, that's basically the same reason why we keep bringing Peter on is because Peter has been able to deliver from a working man's point of view the importance of logging throughout Minnesota Uh, over the years he's been able to bring different people on that we wouldn't have even had the foggiest idea even existed and how their tie-in is to logging and it's it's really been uh, very informative very educational for us
2: you know there's definitely three sides to this industry and, and one of them is the forest landowners of course And whether that be public or private lands, you know, everybody knows that they see trees growing on the ground, and there's people, you know, doing that. And the other side they see is the products they use every day, everything from wood to toilet paper to you name it. You know, there's chemicals that go into making football helmets even that come out of wood and and automobile parts. It's just the the whole gamut. It's almost a chemical industry in itself. Um, But the third part, again, that they don't ever see is those guys are actually doing the harvesting and collecting of those trees and getting them to those mills. And uh, that's what, uh, 25 years ago, a group of loggers came together in St. Louis and said, you know, we really need an organization that that can help us put a face on on this industry. And that's how the American Loggers Council came about. It was by some visionaries in the industry. Uh, uh, Our first president, Earl St. John, was out of uh, Michigan and uh, a heck of a great leader. Um, And, you know, we, we, we started out with about... 18 19 states and now we're up to actually 34 state and regional logging associations and and uh, we're still growing we're still adding individual loggers who may not have an association we've picked up colorado and new mexico and south dakota and some of those states so we're getting a pretty good representation of you know contractors all across the country
0: well, Danny, uh, maybe you and Peter both can talk a little bit about because uh, w- one of the things that we're concerned about up here in northern Minnesota is having a market for the logging industry. Uh, we just recently here in Minnesota lost uh, Verso Paper Mill, which was a it had been built uh, new in the '80s, and it was a it was a very nice, very new, modern building, but they. There's changing in the paper industry throughout the country and maybe you guys can talk a little bit about that and where some of the new markets for logging are going to come from because this plant was originally set up to produce high-quality calendar calendar paper. (laughs) and that has just kind of gone by the wayside uh people aren't making calendars very much anymore they're not doing inserts in uh, magazines and high calendar Mm -hmm. paper so they've got to change now this morning there was a story in the duluth news tribune where there is some hope for this particular plant but it looks like they're maybe going to change the uh, the, the kind of product that is developed there into a more of a brown paper box, cardboard-type thing. So maybe you guys can mm-hmm. talk a little bit about the industry itself, how it's changing, and how, how adapting loggers can be. Danny
1: covers all those states all over the, all over the United States, and what, what we always do is we always look at our, our own backyard, folks. We only look at what's happening here. What's going on that I see is, Danny, can you explain a little bit that you see some places are really going really good and other places are really hitting the skids. And like for us, we've got a paper mill that's gone down, but there's other places that are doing really good. But what is the product they're doing though? That's the thing is, is the product has to build to be more, I guess, more necessity and life type product.
2: Yeah, that, that's correct, and, and you know, just nationwide, you can say, you know, it, it's it's not a state issue; it's it's a it's a regional issue at, at the least, and a nationwide issue at the most. But you know, there the, just demand for some products like newsprint. We've seen uh... newspapers drop in in numbers of, of publications and things like that, simply because the electronic age, the internet, the things we're doing now that we did different twenty years ago. So the demand for that type of paper as you alluded to, as, as well as some of this other uh, fine print paper, has decreased. If those mills don't retool to create another product, such as the brown paper and the corrugated boxes you're talking about, yeah, they're done, you know, because yeah. there's just not the demand out there anymore. We've also seen issues on, on hardwood lumber in various regions where when the tariffs were put on, on the Chinese, uh, that, a lot of our hardwood logs were getting exported over to China. Well, with the trade wars that were going on, Immediately, those markets started going south. On sure, us. Uh, you know we are seeing some developments of some new products that give hope to our industry to, to re- either retool some of these mills or bring on board a greenfield operation. Uh, Cross laminated timber. Uh, there's there's a whole lot of things that we can do with little trees that we weren't, didn't have the technology to do before. It doesn't necessarily take a grade log to do that. However, there's always going to be that demand too for that. Uh, the larger dimensional lumber and timber that, that you need the bigger trees for. But it pretty well just depends on I was telling Peter the other day that down in the south, uh, they take a lot of the southern yellow pine boards that we manufacture here, and they treat them because people like to use it. It absorbs the treatment very well, and it's a, it's a good product uh, sure. for folks to use. For that market, you know, because of the, during the virus here, the COVID situation, there's been a lot of folks doing home projects, decks and that yes. kind of things, and They've used a lot of treated lumber, so those markets have held pretty well. But then you get into more bigger construction projects where you, you know, have a problem even getting labor now, and they're not working, they're not using those products. So, you know, it, it's pretty regional, but it depends on the facility that's within a hauling distance from where those loggers are working as to whether or not they've got a, a viable market or not that's going to keep them healthy.
0: Well, Danny, up up here in the Northland, we've even had some of our mills convert to making fabric out of lumber, and that was something that I would have never thought we would have seen 20 years ago. But it's becoming more and more prevalent.
2: If there, there's a mill in Florida owned by Rayonier. Who, who, you know, they were, they were built in, I believe. I, I may have to do some fact checking. It was either World War One or World War Two, and their sole purpose was to, was to generate, make rayon, and the government helped set them up during wartime so they could. And I don't remember exactly what all they were using that fabric for, but they were taking the chemicals out of wood. And I don't call that a mill. It's really a chemical plant because they're just taking wood, breaking it down, and creating chemicals that they use in all these various products these days. So uh, just because something doesn't look like wood doesn't mean it doesn't have wood in it. And uh, it really is an essential part of everyone's daily living uh, whether they really think they're using it or not, just dang there everything, every day that you you know, that you live and breathe on this earth, you're probably doing something that came from a tree, working with something that came out of a tree.
0: And we've had some cases up here in Northern Minnesota where they're looking at, uh, timber byproducts and wood byproducts for even things like energy, uh, uh, fueling, pr- uh, products and plants. So there's even some of that going on, but, uh. Toilet paper, of course, right now is the huge thing. Yep. You know, the, uh, there was a period of time when this COVID uh, pandemic first came about that none of us could find a place to buy toilet paper. So, those lines that were producing Scott and Northern and all the different brands, all of a sudden they're running full speed ahead and you can't get enough timber into those plants.
2: Right. And, and that's correct. And they, again, uh, you know, there's different grades of tissue even that folks will buy, and a lot of it's commercial grade that got sold to the hotels and and other places, you know, commercial operations, uh, versus the the home use stuff. And again, unless those mills were able to convert, that's why sometimes we see we saw a shortage in the toilet paper market because the mills didn't convert fast enough, and they were still producing the thin stuff that nobody wanted, you know, and. Uh, so, but you know, that's kind of ironed out. There never really was a shortage of toilet paper. It was a, a shortage of the demand, the t- type of paper people preferred to use for personal use. You know that. Oh, okay. Uh, the, the capacity is still there, and uh, you know, and and the conversions have taken place. And as we see more businesses slowly reopen, whenever we get through this issue, uh, you know, everything will definitely level out. But uh, I think it was it was interesting to find out in a survey done uh, with one men's group over in louisiana 95% of the men in that group that morning thought that you know not their toilet paper came from china oh gee. But in fact 95% of the toilet paper used here in the united states is is produced right here in the united states a lot of things start happening when people get in a panic mode, <laughs> put it that way. P- in,
0: in the- Peter, I'm, uh, I'm curious to know from your standpoint, uh, uh, as, yep. a, as a local logger here in Minnesota, are you hearing positive things about the uh, potential for the reuse of the Verso site here in Duluth? Or, I mean, that um, story this morning was fairly upbeat.
1: Well, it's, it's one of those things until somebody really comes forward with serious money and has the authority to say what's really going to happen, it's what I call a feel-good rumor. You yeah. feel good about it, and it's sad, but sometimes there's reasons why sometimes it's leaked like that. I don't want to get into it really a whole lot, but basically it can make you feel good about it, but some things are already set already what they're going to do. Um, the, the plant, I think, has a lot of potential what they made before the high grade calendar paper, you might as well forget it. If that's what you're gonna do, you yeah. might as well forget it because this country's going more into a necessity mode than it is into an accessory mode. Right. And it it's not gonna be changing here. You think oh it's gonna change here in a month or two. No, this is gonna take a little while and a little bit of time before it could even come back to accessory mode. And some people may argue with that, but there's something more serious that I see coming in the timber industry down the road but i can explain that later in the program here i'm hoping sure. that the paper mill will come about there's a, the one down in wisconsin rapids that's quite a bit bigger that one consumes roughly around 23 24 25 percent of the wood in wisconsin as far as i know that's coming that's going to be shutting down here now or dead.
0: did yeah and i think it already has
1: yeah that's not good but, like, down where Danny's at, there's mills that are doing the treated lumber that are doing tremendous because probably more people are working on their own stuff, like deck or something like that or something outside. Yes. right. And then the ones that did not adapt, like I was talking about, like the thin toilet paper, they're struggling a little bit, but it does iron out over time. But uh, I don't know, we're going to be probably going on break here pretty quick. But uh, yes. Danny's got some stuff that they did at the national level I think we really need to talk about here next. Um, because it's the, the loggers are connected all over the country one way or another. And the ALC is the way of connecting. And they've been doing stuff at the national level that a lot of loggers don't know that's been taking place. And folks don't know what's taking place. That well, we're let's hold to work let's with.
0: hold that thought because you you know your way around this show, Peter. You know that it is time for that break. We are a commercial radio station, so let's take this break. And when we come back, uh, maybe you and Danny can talk a little bit about what the national uh, changes are and how it will affect logging uh, throughout the whole country. Giant redwood, the larch, the fir, the mighty Scotch pine, the smell of fresh-cut timber the crash of mighty trees. With my best girl by my side, we'd sing, sing, sing. I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay I sleep all night and I work all day He's
1: a lumberjack and he's okay He sleeps all night and
0: he works all day I cut down trees, I eat my lunch I go to the laboratory. On Wednesday I go shopping And have buttered scones for tea Peter, I often wonder... Do you give your uh, your guests the heads up? Like, did you tell Danny ahead of time? Be prepared for some songs during our show. They're a little bizarre. <laughs> I think I think that's Danny's ringtone.
1: Myself on his cell phone. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, well, guys, welcome back to so Let the Sawdust Fly segment here on the last Wednesday of the month. Uh, Peter, you were talking a little bit before we went to the break about the changing uh, markets in America here. Yeah, maybe, maybe you guys want to talk a little bit about that.
1: There's a lot of changing markets. My philosophy on some of this is either adapt or you die. If you're going to make a product that was being consumed very heavily back in the 20s, think it's going to work today there's a few things that will but some things won't and so that's why we're trying to get companies to come into the upper midwest like ensign or northern star pellets where those markets are can emerge quite well and do very very well and be excellent for the timber industry as a whole and and uh, but there's also things at the national level where Danny is familiar with that I wanted him to get out because there's loggers listening all over, and there's some things that they 'll never hear about unless they hear it a little bit here you know and Danny you want to hit on that just a hair but what's happened national level with the uh, the what is that the stimulus bill or whatever
2: yeah sure um you know there because of the regional nature of our of our industry and and the markets we've already talked about you know there's there's loggers in this country that have probably lost up to 40% of their revenue in the first six, seven months of this year uh, because of issues caused by the pandemic and loss of mortgage and things like that. Uh, so we what we have done is we've asked uh, members of Congress in the House and the Senate to help us introduce a bill that would actually give the loggers some relief. Uh, we've seen other programs in the first stimulus package and uh, the CARES Act. Uh, that actually, you know, helped a lot of the other agricultural commodities, uh, but unfortunately, the loggers were, were, were not included in that. Uh, you know, we're we're a, we're a pretty much a general, generational industry. Uh, our overhead costs are really really expensive. Uh, we took a poll about 82 percent of our members, and those folks we represent, uh, tr- took advantage of the, the payroll protection program. Uh, But at the same time, the the payroll cost in a logging operation is a very small portion of the overall cost of that operation, just the same as you have. You've got expensive equipment and insurance and fuel and a lot of other costs that really add up. So, you know, with that being said, if we we lose, say, 20 percent of our contractors across the U.S., that's going to create a real issue of supplying these mills to create all these products we've already talked about that folks use on a daily basis. And so what we're asking members of Congress to do, and this is the first time in the 41 years I've been around this industry that I know that lawyers have ever asked members of Congress for anything uh, other than the ability to maybe help reduce a few regulations to help us become more efficient in our jobs. But we are asking them to include us in this next uh, COVID relief package, whether you call it the CARES-2 Act or COVID-4, whatever it's called, uh, and to help uh, the contractors that can show that, that they've lost at least ten percent or more of their production or revenues for the first seven months of twenty twenty compared to twenty nineteen that they try to help make them it won't make them whole but it held to keep keep them where they can at least pay their bills and stay alive as they try to reorganize their businesses and, and keep their operations going because if, with the expense of it cost again to get into logging these days, we lose these seasons veterans and they're not passing along this to their families, then I'm afraid those jobs are gonna be gone forever. And we're going to play, uh, uh, have a heck of a hard time trying to ever get back to the capacity that's needed in this industry, to to rebuild rebuild the industry to supply the public with, with, with what we're producing. So it's uh.
0: Well, that you know, we, that that is so evident. Even in the story this morning, Danny, about Verso, and and I, again, I say it was a little optimistic. They say they have a couple of potential. Um, people looking at the plant, but they, they quoted some people like they quoted, I don't know, Peter, if you know Mike Nelson out of Ely, uh, Mike yep. Nelson Logging, he said, look, Verso made up one-third of my business, and it's left me with two years' worth of wood meant for the company, and now I'm sitting on it.
1: Yep, he's one of them. There's others out there that they hauled a fair amount to those plants. There's also folks out there, it isn't just a paper mill in Duluth. There is also a yard over in Superior called the Parkland Yard that's over in Superior that took a lot of hardwood And that. There's a lot of loggers that would haul wood over there, and then it'd get either re-railed or re-trucked to Wisconsin Rapids then about the center of Wisconsin where that wood went. So it wasn't just the paper mill in Duluth. There's two spots, and one was kind of hidden. Once again, the hidden industry yeah, a spot that's hidden that nobody knew about. And what's going on is with these industries leaving like that, this CARES Act, like, Danny, you want to hit on that just a little bit? This CARES well, Act? Well, hold hold like that thought.
0: We'll talk about the CARES Act when we come back. But we've, we've got to take our Fox News break at the bottom of the hour. But when we come back, let's talk about that and get into uh, some of the markets that may pop up here, things that maybe uh, that you guys in the logging industry can look at for your markets for the lumber that's now sitting like uh, Mike Nelson up in Ely was sitting with two years worth of wood. So we'll be right back after the Fox News break. Your Twin Ports home from a pack high-stepping touchdown! WDSM I still think, Peter, one of the greatest songs ever put up, Woodchopper's Ball. <laughs> That's a great song. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking of making that miring tone now. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That would be a nice kind of a laid-back uh, ringtone, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be people who to think they're going to fall asleep or just get up and dance on it, too. Can I ask you a question uh, kind of, now, well, it's it's logging-related, but it's, uh, it's about a local issue that happened up here fairly close to where I live. Um, we had a, a very serious accident happen up on Highway 2. You're probably familiar with it. Uh, yep. A logging truck was coming in at like 3 o'clock in the morning, coming into town, and uh, uh, some uh, a couple of people in a car uh, drove over the center line, hit the truck head on, ended up killing the driver of the car. Do um, you have any information? I mean, I, the first thing I thought was, what's this guy doing running logs at 3 o'clock in the morning? But a lot of times mm-hmm. they they go and run and sit outside the mill waiting for it to open, don't they? Right, All right. When, uh, I had Kenny ask me about it last week. And I, I won't say who the
1: trucking outfit is, but basically when he told me where it was, what happened, I said, it's probably coming from Wisconsin. The truck is going towards Bemidji on Highway 2 going west, and that's normal. That's nothing out of the ordinary for a logger to be or a trucker to be hauling at time of the day. And he's going over to Bemidji, and probably at the time he was going to be there arriving just a little before it opens. And they'll sit in line or they'll go in their sleeper and take a little nap then they'll get unloaded. But uh, it sounded like the truck was going his normal lane. The car, at that time in the morning, it's hard to say what took place, but the driver veered into his lane and they hit head-on. And, yes, as far as I know, the driver didn't get hurt. It's a big mess. It's sad. The passenger, as far as I know, did not die. But uh, usually it's something. Either fell asleep, uh, substance abuse or something, and then their life is over, and it's really sad. But it it, it does happen. It does happen. But that's as far as Hollywood. No, you can people haul wood all kinds of all times of the day. It's just wrong place, wrong time, at and it's just sad. that it does happen every now and then. Uh, Other parts of the country, it happens too. It's just that it happened here and it becomes sad. But uh, yeah, the way it goes. But. With with Danny, uh, folks that are tuning in, he's out of Texas, executive director of American Loggers Council, and we were talking a little bit about the stimulus package. This this package, to me, when I hear about and talking to Danny, this can help out just a little bit. But if a logger is not going to make it, or an industry's not, or somebody's not going to make it in business, it can help you to reorganize enough to get your ducks in a row. But you you need you need industry. To keep making a living at this, because our equipment gets so expensive, our parts, everything adds up so fast. It can get away on you so quick, and this can be a situation where they're counting on the wood moving, counting on everything flowing really nice, and they, they have it all. And then all of a sudden, the bomb blows off, and they they're cut way way back. This is just a something to help them through this nudge, but it's not gonna it's not gonna make you stay in business a long time. It's just going to help you through this bump, bad, yeah. bad bump, and um, to get you reorganized. Danny, what, what are your thoughts on it as well? I,
2: I agree, Peter. It's, it's not meant to make the loggers whole. It's just to help help keep them, again, again like you said, give them time to help get reorganized. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to Mike Nielsen. He sits on our board. I'm glad to hear that he was able to you know give that update as far as Minnesota goes. Uh, it, it's a small world that we all work in. Oh yeah. Uh, but but uh you know, there there are some products there's already some technology out there that, that you know you would hope that folks would 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 take a look at Cross-laded, cross-laminated cross-laminated timbers one of them uh just wood pellet market's uh you know that's one of the industries that has not been impacted at all by the COVID-19 pandemic because uh Again, energy is essential during, during this, this time, and uh, we ship, especially from these southern ports and off the eastern seaboard, they ship a lot of wood pellets over to Europe to help fire their boilers and things to generate electricity. So, you know, uh, we're hoping to see some more progress made as far as in this country, of uh, recognizing that, that wood is okay to burn for fuel. Uh, we we've, we've, we've put information out there and with other organizations showing the carbon neutrality of wood. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, it, that, that it's okay to use it because as, as wood, you know, as wood releases carbon in the atmosphere, when you burn it, the trees that are growing, they absorb it again, you know, and, and, and the life cycle, uh, you know, the, all the European countries have already accepted that. We've just got some issues with some folks in this country that are just not willing to, uh, really don't want us cutting trees to begin with. Uh, so they're going to find a reason, you know, to maybe try to block that ne- carbon neutrality issue that could, could you know, prevent some of these uh, products from being utilized more in this country so we've, we've got a lot of work to do you know in regulations and things like that and a lot of education to do and that's again that's some more of our focus is to work with the public as well try to educate them on what we do why we do it and uh, the reasons we're doing things and 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 the, the benefits that come from from what we're doing and including well, guys, just-
0: guys as we as we end up this morning I want you both to talk a little bit Uh, if you would, about your observations of the industry and the hope for the future of logging. A lot of people think logging's over with, and that's not true at all. Uh, But uh, maybe each of you want to talk a little bit about what you see as the hope for the future.
1: Go ahead, Danny.
2: I I like to allude to a a paper I I read a long time ago that came out of Yale University. It was called The Illusion of Preservation. You know, there'll always be a demand for forest products, whether it be uh, a wooden desk or a piece of paper or whatever chemicals can be derived from it. This country is a, the largest dis- consumer in the world of, of wood gerated products. And so if we start setting aside acres and are not properly managing our forest, if we don't cut it here, it's going to get cut somewhere else.
0: That's We've right. got
2: lots of, lots of environmental laws already in place to help safeguard our environment, our, our water, and our air quality. and, and uh, so. But we need to really get the public tuned in to, you know, what we're doing here. We've probably got the most stringent environmental laws in the world. We're doing it right. I hope the rest of the world will catch up with us in that regard. But because we're doing it right, people should be welcoming these facilities, these job creators, into their communities and let these guys work.
0: Boy, amen to that, Danny. I'll tell you, we've we've all seen the examples too, of where people have thought, "Oh, I can get some cheap uh, particle board out of China, or I can buy some uh, uh, some sheetrock out of China," and now. They're finding out that this was loaded with uh, uh, very uh, unenvironmental-friendly products, and they're having to tear down some of these buildings or tear them apart and reconstruct them mm-hmm. because of the content of the of the materials coming out of China.
1: It's sad, but when you buy an American product, you know it's made here, and our regulations are pretty strict, so you know it's going to be a good quality. What I see folks have in the timber industry is that, if we're not harvesting it here, yeah, it's harvested other places, but one thing that most people forget on a regular basis is that when if we stop harvesting and managing the forest, the forests are still growing, they're still yeah. maturing, they're still building, and I call it a fuel load. I call, the reason why I call it a fuel load is that there is fuel in it, but also there can be catastrophic fires, and if, if you stopped the management of the, the, the timber industry, the management of the forest. It would take twenty to thirty years, it's proven the past, around twenty to thirty year mark, that catastrophic fires will come through. And I, I hope to find somebody that's an expert on it to bring on in the future because you're not gonna find it in the textbooks like you normally would. These are yeah. this is a different bit of history that people think that, oh, there is nothing happening in northern Minnesota uh 200 years ago there was nothing happened. there's actually management teams back for thousands of years it's just that normal textbook teaching doesn't teach that and when the, when the management was over stopped by the government actually by the united states government it would took about 20 to 30 years and then you start having catastrophic fires raging through and it will happen again but uh most folks don't know that and they think it's kind of like telling them Something that they don't believe until it happens, and, they, they, and then they say, I "Still don't believe it. I can't believe it's happening." We well, need Peter. I want markers. to
0: uh, Peter. I want to assure you that tomorrow I'm going to have Congressman Pete Stauber on the show with me, and I'm going to mention to him that we hope he will suggest support the Cares Act for loggers in this uh, in this new. Uh, uh, relief package because i i think you're both right i think it's very important to keep these operations functional and in these downtimes like this peter you've you've mentioned over and over again over the years that logging is truly one of the very few renewable resources that you just you know you harvest it you use it you replant it and it comes back again and uh and we've got to make sure that that industry stays solid here in the northland uh, Danny, much, thank so you welcome. so much for being on with us this morning uh, from Texas. And, uh, and Peter, thank you for another great show.
1: Thank you, Brad. Thank you, folks. Thank you out there, Danny. It's always a pleasure to talk to you guys. And hopefully we'll have something more. Well, hopefully. I- I find I'm being here unless you get rid of me, Brad. <laughs>
0: That's pretty hard to do. We've tried doing that by having you drive a school bus and crash tests, but that doesn't seem to make any difference either. So... <laughs> Thank you. All it's right, so talk to you coming. later. we got to go to our Wisconsin news break, Kenny.